Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Why did I say it like that? Uh, you can become a subscriber <laughs> at texasfootball.com. You're very enunciative today. <laughs> apparently, apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> well, that's the voice of Vishal Johnson. Uh, Ish, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing better. I have had a couple days to recover. So, <laughs> listen, I know, I know, it was a tough one for you. Uh, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I tough one for me too. I, I lost a, a fun matchup, Baylor Louisiana Tech. Unfortunately, that uh, did not get played. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I think that I more than get that back this weekend, of course, with Baylor and Houston preparing to mm-hmm. kick off. Uh, that should be a really fun one, honestly. But yeah, I, I mean, it is kind of funny, right? Because Usually this time of year with the non-conference games, we're just so inundated with games, right? <laughs> like, right. like usually it's like, I mean, we're talking 10 games a weekend in FBS alone. And then, you know, all the, all the FCS and, and D2 and D3, like it's, it's really weird, honestly, to, to sit here right. and know that <laughs> last weekend we got three games. Yeah, it's yeah, and we're hopefully getting more this weekend. And I, I was I was having a discussion with my friend where it was like, remember like a couple months ago where like you know Korean baseball, everybody was desperate for like something, <laughs> right, 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 right. We're right. like, oh look, Korean baseball's on. They're right. gonna stay up at four to watch this, and I, I was part of them too. I was part of that crowd too. And now, like, I think Saturday was like, wait, <laughs> we got game seven, we got college football, we got racing, we have soccer come coming back. Like it was like, there's so much. I was like, can we? St- go back to a little bit of a pause <laughs> there was so much to watch right, that i was right, this weekend right. and i was like i need a little break i think from sports <laughs> yeah and see it's funny right because i like i mean i'm an nfl guy but i'm not like a big nfl guy so right. i don't i don't care if i miss that much right like sure, i mean sure. sunday's usually a work day for me um i can't miss nba right, like, right yeah i can't miss but it. it was in the middle of like college football saturday you're like wait they're playing wait, what's right happening right here? and now now we've got like conference finals going on and and <laughs> it's gonna be going on probably at the same time and i mean right. yeah again this is uh <laughs> this is complicated this is real complicated yeah. all right we're, we're gonna take one minute I'm, I'm gonna set a timer and we're gonna say things about the los angeles clippers okay oh let's yes okay let's do this <laughs> All right, uh, ready, set, go. You want to go first? Yeah, so Kawhi Leonard left the Toronto Raptors, and then the (laughs) Toronto Raptors were better than him. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I think... I can't blame a guy for going home, but it's no. just hilarious that like he obviously went to the Clippers because he preferred the roster construction. I mean, obviously yes. it was home, but yes. he went to the Clippers over the Lakers that he preferred the roster construction. He wanted to play with Paul George, and Paul George ended up like epically flaming out against the Nuggets and just was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, on on both sides of the ball, like it wasn't even yeah. just offense, but he yeah. was just not not good at all. Well, and, and, and I saw the revisionist yeah. history that that. Uh, Kawhi just wanted to go home and didn't care, you know, kind of gave up winning to do that. No, he went to the Clippers No, no, he wanted, he wanted both. 
Right. Yeah, he wanted both. Like he he could have he could have went to I don't know the Kings or something if he wanted to be in California and just like you know I don't know he he wanted to win clearly clearly and and I mean there's a reason why he got Paul George there right he wanted to he wanted a star player next to him he didn't want to just go with that that ragtag Clippers roster um but yeah it was it's just hilarious because you have like guys like Beverly and Marcus <laughs> Morris and who talk like, so much who talks so much right, you have we, Paul we George a who we did a minute some, but, but yeah yeah but one one more thing. Paul George, who gave himself the nickname Playoff P. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the last thing that I'll say is that the good news is that the Los Angeles Clippers do not have their own NBA draft pick until the year of our Lord, 2027. So Beautiful. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, uh, that was your NBA minute from <laughs> Republic of Football. There you go. There you go. There you go. Did um, you get that sponsored? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, look. Usually, we don't have to. Usually, we don't have to deal with all these conflicting emotions at the same time. Right. <laughs> well, uh, look. I mean, obviously, the the Big Ten has kind of come up with a plan. We but we don't really need to talk too much about that. We're a, we're a Texas based program. We're not uh, mm-hmm. we're not sitting here at, uh, at the whim of Rutgers University. So um, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and, and pass that off. Um, but you know. So, uh, so let's go ahead and, and get straight to our guest, actually. We've got a very special guest. We've got UTSA's Javi Cardenas uh, joining the program from birdsup.com. Uh, look, uh, you know, we talked a lot, obviously, about the Texas State side of things last weekend after the game, um, you know, so we really wanted to try and get uh, the UTSA perspective. Because, look, I, I mean, and we can talk for just a second before, before we get to the podcast, but, I mean, mm-hmm. UTSA looked way ahead of schedule, they look like a t- it did not look like a team that had not uh, missed that missed a spring practice that was dealing with a new coaching staff that had a bunch of question marks. It looked like a team that knew what it was and knew what it was knew what its game plan was. Yeah, and and the thing is right. Like I think that I think that when a team one scores obviously fifty one points, but also when they're able to to be kind of dominant against a team like sometimes it can be a little bit of fool's gold, right? Where it, it feels sure. like you know, okay, like for example, I would I would point. Texas State's performance in that category where it was like they just ran the you know the chuck the ball down the field offense and it hit a few times right but like right right. but you know it was so much like the offense being cohesive the offense having directions Frank Harrison and Sierra McCormick running the option well them playing well Mm -hmm. uh, in the secondary especially like it looks sustainable right like that's the craziest thing Right. I, I, um, you know, I mentioned on the interview here, like everything Texas State was doing was just like, I don't know, pass interference and like, <laughs> like move the ball 15 yards and they get in the scoring position. And then it was like, I don't know, throw it up again. OK, let's do that. And UTSA was like, no, no, we're going to win this. We're, we're the one that's going to sustain drives in this offense that we just learned in a couple weeks. And we're the one that's going to use the best player on the field and Sincere McCormick to just absolutely control every aspect of this game. And that's what happened. With that said, let's get to our interview with Javi. We'll be back with you right after the break. We're pleased to welcome on a very special guest from BirdsUp.com. We've got Javi Cardenas. Javi, how are you doing, man? Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'll go ahead and get started here. So, uh, obviously, Jeff Trailer has his UTSA debut last week. A huge 51-48 to double overtime win over rival Texas State. Uh, you know, after watching that first game, um, you know, What's kind of your feel? That, was it what you expected? What wasn't what you expected? Um, you know, it was kind of hard to know, know what to expect, right? I mean, uh, new coach, uh, new coordinators, new everything, really. So, you know, everybody kind of came in with an open mind and seeing what to expect. But, I mean, 
personally, I did not expect them to play as well as they did the second half, or I'm sorry, that, that first half. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, that's, that might be some of the best football I've seen them play in the last two years. Um, you know, unfortunately, they couldn't sustain that, you know, for, for reasons. But just that first half and that performance was, was very impressive. Yeah, the offense, uh, th- that was kind of the big question mark coming in was just what, what this offense is going to look like because that has always been UTSA's Achilles heel in the past couple of seasons despite having, you know, Marcus Davenport and Josiah Tawaifa on defense. It was always like, okay, well, what are you getting out of this offensive talent? Was this kind of what you expected or did you see, did you expect them to see a little bit more balance maybe or did you think you would see this kind of dependence on the run obviously with somebody like Sincere McCormick but uh, also with uh, Brady and then uh, Frank Harris of course using his legs Yeah, you know um, it, it has to be what you kind of had to expect right just because of the talent they had at running back with Sincere with Brady mm-hmm. um, with you know if Frank Harris was to start which he did um, his ability to, to run the ball kind of so you kind of knew it was going to be wrong game centric um but how they would go about that right it was really the question right so what we saw was really a a numb like a up-tempo running game almost um you know that utilizes the passing game although they did not take any deep shots really uh besides that one uh uh, play to to brennan dingle um Mm -hmm. you know you didn't really see them push the ball down the field so that's maybe something that's going to get incorporated as the season progresses just as you know, Trailer mentioned last week that, you know, they weren't going to be able to use their full playbook just because they didn't have the time to install um, everything they wanted to install. But um, I think if you really look at, at who Trailer brought in, you know, from Barry Lenny, who comes from like a more pro style, you know, in Arkansas, uh, Matt Maddox, you know, who is, you know, more, you know, run spread kind of kind of uh, philosophy. And then Will Stein, who, you know, was more of a just a pure spread in in uh in high school, right, when he was coaching there. So he did have a lot of different philosophies that you kind of saw mixed in. Um, so I think what you ended up with was like a like a up-tempo running game that utilizes the, you know, hopefully the passing game as a season for us. Yeah, and, and for me, you know, actually writing the UTSA offensive preview is one of my favorite parts of doing this because, like you mentioned, I mean, it's so many different styles mixed together. And, and I guess for me, one thing that I'm curious about is, why do you think they were able to, I guess, kind of be prepared to play so many different styles? Because you did see, obviously, on Saturday, you did see, you know, they went to power, they went to spread, they kind of mixed everything together. Why were they able to to be so prepared and look so on the same page with such limited practice time? Yeah, that, I mean, it was impressive. And, and that's one of the things that was really surprising that first half is just the co- uh, cohesiveness that you saw. Um, you know, I, I, but I think you have to just give it to, you know, the amount of players that are really returning for UTSA, and if you notice who contributed, right? So, you know, I know I know they lost two of the uh, offensive tackles last year, but they returned the majority of their interior line, and even some of the guys that played in Brandon Roth at tackle and uh, a- another interior offensive line, and they've been with the program for two years now, so they- they've been there. Uh, Frank Harris obviously has been there a while now, but, you know, he got an opportunity to play. Obviously, McCormick, Brady, they've been around, so they were, they're familiar with each other, and some of the wide receivers as well. So I think that continuity of just being around each other and, you know, uh, Trailer kind of simplifying the playbook, and, and he mentioned a couple times that, you know, they didn't want the players to think, right? They just wanted them to to kind of know what they're going to execute and just run it without having to think, right? Uh, they didn't, what is the phrase he used? Paralysis by analysis, I think, is, is, a, is a cliche he used. So I think you saw some of that that first half, right, where they were just, you know, they knew what they were doing. Uh, they knew who they were playing with, and they just kind of executed, and, and it turned out pretty well. How have you seen him kind of, you know, when, when, when 
Frank Wilson came in, you know, everybody talked about uh, utilizing San Antonio and really prioritizing San Antonio as far as production goes. Um, obviously, Jeff Trailer, a high school coach, knows the talent there in that area. How has he prioritized – is there anything different that he's done maybe? Because obviously the roster makeup is very, is very impressive. That started with Frank Wilson. But what have you seen from uh, Jeff Trailer so far in the recruiting trail to kind of not only build off what he's had, because I think what do you, you guys are just under 20 players from San Antonio just alone, um, which is wild. And what are you seeing that he's doing right now on the recruiting trail? You know, yeah, exactly right. You know, Frank Wilson really emphasized San Antonio right when he got hired. And, and you saw that, right, McCormick? Uh, Rashad Wisdom is a guy that, you know, uh, he recruited, you know, and if you're going to give uh, Wilson credit for something, is establishing that, right? Because before mm-hmm. San Antonio, um, you know, the big schools, so the Clemens, the Judsons, um, the Steels, you know, they didn't really see San, uh, uh, UTSA as a destination, right? So Frank Wilson started that and you have to give him credit for it. But, um, you know, Trailer has really embraced that uh, as well, you know, just hitting up, you know, every school, you know, making San Antonio the priority. Um, I do think he's, you know, made it more of a priority to uh, hit the smaller schools, at least just mm-hmm. from what I've seen uh, in terms of, you know, not, not being afraid to go to the south side of San Antonio, which is, you know, less recruited um, mm-hmm. than, than some of the other parts and, you know, recruiting kids there and offering them, you know. So, you know, that's kind of something he's done. Um, but, yeah, he's just exactly right. He's building up a, a Wilson success. And you have to give Wilson that, right? He opened the door with uh, uh, Wisdom and McCormick. That opened a huge door for, for UTSA and now Jeff Trailer um, because those kids are just monumental, you know, when you talk about San Antonio high school football. Nobody who's a fan of Dave Campbell's sex football needs to be told what Jeff Trailer accomplished at the high school level. Yeah. But, you know, there is obviously a learning curve, you know, and, and he hadn't even been a coordinator at the college level. How do you think he's handled that transition so far? You know, I, I think it's been great. You know, I did kind of make it a point to see when the camera panned over to, uh, to, to trailer just to see how, you know, was he, you know, calling plays? Was he, you know, what was exactly his, his, uh, his de- demeanor on the sideline or, or whatnot. And it was impressive, man. Like he, he, it did seem like he let the coordinators kind of, you know, do their thing. And, and that's something he stressed in the off season. I was just saying that, you know, I'm, I'm going to let my coordinators, uh, you know, call their plays and, and, you know, just kind of be more of a over an overseer and just make sure everything's getting executed. And it's been working well. And, and program building wise, you know, I think he's going to do well at UTSA, especially for a program that needs to be built a little bit more, you know, with the new facilities, with the infrastructure that still needs to be built. Um, I think a guy like Jeff Trailer really, you know, his experience building up programs like Gilmer and the other places he's been, is really going to help him, you know, build UTSA in, in, in his, you know, in his vision. And, you know, that that experience of building high school programs might actually benefit him quite a bit. I'm wondering, the you mentioned, you know, this is one of the best games you've ever seen UTSA play, especially in the last couple of years. I had a theory about that because it seems like every year, maybe it's just me being on the cynical side of Texas State losing all, every, every time, but um, <laughs> I'm wondering every game, and I think it started with that first 2012 game, every game... Texas State and UTSA has played that I've seen and the ones that I've seen in person as well there seems to be a swagger on UTSA's sideline that does not exist right now at Texas State um and it, I can't say it exi- it doesn't exist at all but definitely against UTSA there's something lacking on every, uh, every time I've looked at that sideline for Texas State that I didn't that I see with UTSA right whether it's just players coming off as more loose players playing freer I have no idea what it is part of me thinks it's that 2012 
game that got UTSA's, you know, confidence just through the roof, right? First year of the program, uh, you know, just upsetting Texas State and Texas State always kind of playing with that mentality of not wanting to get embarrassed, right? Or not wanting to, they're playing not to lose and UTSA is just playing free and they're playing with a swagger that just didn't exist on the opposite sideline. I'm wondering what, if you kind of sense the same thing, um, just because I don't know if it's me being cynical or not, or if it's something that is really noticeable. You know, that that's a good point. And yeah, I think there is some truth to that. Um, that first game was really monumental for both programs because they kind of, you know, came up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, that, that that's, that's true. I mean, you do see, when you see UTSA against Texas State, there's definitely um, a sense of confidence, right? That, that they can compete with this team, that they can beat this team because they've beaten them in the past. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, some of the players that are here, you know, one um, has, have won those games, right? So mm-hmm. there is that confidence that, that they can compete, that they can win. Um, that maybe, you know, playing a team like Louisiana Tech, for example, UTSA's case, they don't have that same kind of confidence because, you know, that's a team that it's given them a hard time. But mm-hmm. when it comes to, to Texas State, they know that they can compete at that level. Maybe it's just psychological or, you know, maybe it's something else. But, yeah, you're right. It definitely does seem like UTSA gets up for that game a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why they do it, it's kind of hard to tell, right? We, we would have to ask the players themselves. But, yeah, I could definitely see that. Because I think I think Spavadol mentioned that in the post game press conference, right? Changing the narrative of the university, right? And yeah. That, I think that's become one of them, which is like you know getting up for that game because this right. is your this is your biggest rival. Yeah. You should be able to match their energy. Yeah, and not to yeah, make man. not to make everything about uh, UTSA Texas State, of course. But I mean, you know, we kind of talked about heading into this game that we felt like you know this was as good an opportunity that Texas State would ever have to win with UTSA being a first, you know, first time head coach, uh, you know, obviously Texas State going into year two. And I mean, what kind of confidence, what kind of juice in that area, you know, where they're only separated by 60 miles, uh, what kind of juice does that give UTSA, not just on campus, but on the recruiting trail to show that even in a, in a rebuilding year of sorts, that they're still kind of ahead of Texas State? No, it's, it's big, man. I mean, you know, coming to the game, I mean, me personally, I picked uh, to Texas State to, to win that game, right? Just because of everything was going on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, players being out, new coach, new play, uh, limited playbook. There were just a, a lot of factors. I, you know, it was hard for anybody to pick uh, UTSA to win that game. So, you know, them winning, it's really, you know, a shot in the arm to the program that it needed to start out this year. And, and you know, they have a winnable game this weekend against SFA that, you know, you know, if things go well, they'll start the season uh, 2-0, and which is that's the first time that's happened in, in a long time. So um, there's definitely a, a you know a, a you know a sense of confidence around the program again, uh, an excitement that hasn't been there in a while in recruiting. Of course, you know they, they've done well there with uh, Wilson, but now with Trailer, they kind of continue that trend. They have a new facility coming up that uh, they allowed the media to, to tour last week. So there there's things turning in the right direction, and you know winning that game that you know that the line opened up at what like nine and a half, nine and a half was like six and a half at the time the game kicked off. And so winning that game as an underdog, um, the way they did it, you know, kind of, you know, going up, coming down and then bouncing back, you know, it, it's just some, some good stuff uh, heading their way. It looks. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I'm curious about too, and obviously this was week one with a brand new offense, you know, brand new coordinators, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little on Sunday, but you know, I'm curious, from your perspective, uh, you know, Frank Harris, obviously, they didn't ask him to deliver the ball down the field a whole lot on Saturday. Do you think that that's something that 
is going to change or do you think that's something that they're still trying to find their trust in him? Uh, you know, how do you think that they kind of handle that deep passing game with Frank Harris heading forward? Um, you know, Frank doesn't have the biggest arm, um, you know, compared to, uh, you know, a Lil Narcisse or a Josh Atkins or a Jordan Weeks on the roster, but he does have a, a arm, an arm, right, that, that can definitely put push the ball down the field. So I think you'll start seeing that hopefully this week. Um, trailer mentioned today actually that, you know, they can't install too much, right? You know, because they only get a couple practices a week, but they're definitely working on, on certain things that they're adding to their playbook as the season progresses. So I think the, the deep pass is something that's going to get incorporated um, probably starting this week and, the, and as they head into conference play. Um, and if they're able to, to, you know, develop that, that really, you know, is going to give the running game even more of, a, of an advantage, right? Because now the, the safeties and the linebackers maybe are, are back a little bit and it allows, you know, a guy like McCormick and Brady to, to really, you know, explode and, you know, get to that second level. So if they can develop that, then you can start maybe seeing a, 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 UTSA, a UTSA offense that can consistently put, uh, you know, put up like 30 points a game, which, you know, by their standards is, is significant, right, if, if we've watched the last two years. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that maybe stood out to you as like, oh, I didn't expect to see this? Because to me, last week against – or last year, I should say – the reason why Sincere McCormick impressed uh, me a lot was that he didn't necessarily have the best blocking and he still produced, you know, an insane amount. And this past week we saw, you know, I don't know if it was Texas State's front seven not being up to par or not, but we saw UTSA's offensive line be really good and clear some good lanes for him to where he wasn't having to dodge a guy in the backfield. I think is another thing that you'll say. That's, yeah, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good point as well. Um, was there anything that stood out to you? Because that was one that definitely stood out to me. I don't know if it's more experience along that offensive line finally um, or a change in system helping them maybe clear out some uh, confusion. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think the offensive line played very well in that, in that first half. Um, you know, there's that continuity uh, with some of the guys already there. And, you know, Kevin Davis, one of their better offensive linemen, is out. Mm-hmm. So they're missing a starter as well. So that, that bodes well for, you know, hopefully they get him back in a few weeks. But the thing that really stood out to me was the wide receiver and tight end blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that you had not seen the last few years, right? That was something that was definitely lacking from the wide receivers and even the, the tight end spot, just the blocking downfield. And there, there was a, a, a bunch of plays when I went back and rewatched the game where the wide receivers are blocking 10, 15, 20 yards downfield, allowing Brady McCormick Harris to, you know, get those extra five, 10 yards. Um, there was a play, a touchdown play with uh, one of the uh, Frank Harris's three touchdowns um, where uh, Leroy Watson, the tight end, blocked two guys. Um, you know, as Frank Harris kind of went, went around and scored. So stuff like that, stuff that was missing. And I, de- I was definitely surprised by that, just their ability ability to, to block downfield with their wide receivers. Well, uh, you can follow Javi at Rivals Javi on Twitter. You can find all of his work at birdsup.com. Javi, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much to Javi Cardenas from birdsup.com for joining us again. Great, great stuff. Uh, a really fun team that we've got going on there in San Antonio. But with that said, let's go ahead and jump on to picks. So we have five FBS games this weekend. Uh, we can certainly pick West Texas A&M versus Oklahoma Panhandle State if, we, if you want to. But uh, uh, sh- Sure. All right. I, I'm picking West <laughs> Texas. Anyway, next. <laughs> um. So let's start with what is the the most inexplicable game of the weekend and what also should be the most fun game of the weekend. Uh, Baylor versus Houston. Um, yeah. I'm, tra- I'm trying to remember what uh, what Spencer Hall, EDSBS, described it as. I think that he said that that the Texas teams were treating this like a potluck. Just, uh, just all right, right. you got that. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and, uh, 
this game this game appeared out of thin air uh after houston basically basically minutes after houston canceled their game there were reports that uh, that baylor and houston were about to play and and look uh, we said it a bit last weekend, but this is the sort of game that usually, like, nobody wants to play, right? Neither side right. really wants to play this game because right. Houston, Houston, you know, they don't want to start the season necessarily with a loss. And Baylor sure as hell doesn't want to start the season with a loss to Houston. And it's, uh, yeah, seed, like, recruiting ground and all that. There's, like, a oh, bunch yeah. of, you know, incentive from both programs not to play and... Yeah, so typically in a normal year, you know, last year and maybe next year, like, this won't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... So this game, 11 a.m. Uh, on Fox. Baylor, so this is kind of interesting. They've moved down to a minus four favorites. Uh, and hmm. the line was a lot bigger to start out. So I guess, I guess I'll guess ask about that first. Um, you know, let's actually just ask, where would you have set this line uh, if you were the one making the odds? I, I don't know why Baylor would be anything less than a touchdown favorite. Um I mean, did we see? Do you remember Houston last year? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, we're we're asking them to fix a lot in an already weird year, and I get that Baylor, you know, has a new coach, but everything that we're hearing about the, I don't know. There's reason for me to be optimistic about Baylor, where I need to see something to be optimistic about Houston. So I probably would have had this game at about six and a half, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that um, I think that Baylor should win. I think that they, you know, probably will win by a touchdown or more. Um, sure. But you know, I, I would have I would have made it a one score deal. And so, um, so here's here's the one thing with me, and like you said, so much unknown from really both of these teams. You know, Baylor in terms of scheme and fit, and a lot of new players, and Houston in terms of. They just have a crap ton of new players that right. are, are talented, but who have not really played before, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And mm-hmm. um, but you know they do have a lot of experience coming back too on that defense. Um, and so the thing that I'm curious about, the thing that I think is going to decide whether Houston has a chance or doesn't have a chance, is Houston has to win up front because sure. especially on the offensive side of the ball, you know they they lose Josh Jones, the uh, you know ultimately second round NFL draft pick, all American, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. You know he's gone at tackle, and so, but Baylor loses three of the best defensive linemen in the state, and right. you know basically everybody who's starting for them uh, doesn't have real experience, and in fact. You know, we kind of expected a guy like Chidi Obanaya to to be a guy who was going to be a star for them. He's not even starting, right? Like, they, they're starting yeah. somebody different. So that would be the one thing, right, is that I do think that there is a world where Houston's able to control this game in the trenches. And obviously, Baylor's offensive line has been inconsistent, and, and Houston brings back a lot on defense. So that's the path, right, is that mm-hmm. Houston Houston dominates up front. Um, you know, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. It is... I don't have a good feel for this game, I guess is what it comes down to, because of how different these teams are going to be. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think I think we, we were optimistic about what Dana has planned for Houston um, in terms of just him as a coach. But, you know, last year was such a weird year, and, we you know, we talked about him just more or less punting it, right? Punting the whole year, redshirting guys, and, you know, banking on, banking on this year, and obviously this year is what it is, but how do we assess this team with this year with this particular coaching strategy um against Baylor going through something similar not quite the same but you know going through their own new uh hurdles and things like that um 
it's hard to get a read on, which is why I think you just have to go off what we know, which is that I feel more confident in Baylor's roster as I know it, despite not knowing what Aranda's staff is going to put them in. Yeah, and, and the thing is too, right, and I've said this all offseason long, is that to me, obviously, Dave Aranda is a tremendous hire, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. that he's already shown himself to be a, a good hire. Um, but, you know, to me, the hire that I think is a bigger deal is Larry Fedora because, right. you know, you're adding a guy who has already been a head coach. He's been a guy who on two separate occasions was rumored to become the head coach at Baylor. Um, and mm-hmm. now you got him as a coordinator. And I just think that, uh, you know, I've been beating this drum all summer long that I think that Larry Fedora and Charlie Brewer is going to be a match made in heaven. And uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to be week one. But mm-hmm. I do think the other thing, too, is that I do think that playing in more of a quick read offense, uh, a quick decision offense, a quick trigger offense is going to be a whole lot better for Baylor's offensive line issues than, you know, trying to run power as much as they did last year, mm-hmm. you know? And and so I think in that way they'd be able to mitigate some of the uh, some of the issues and the other thing too that I'll say is like Baylor's line is experienced. That you know they they do bring almost everybody back, um, and their skill position talent, even though they lose Denzel Mims, is pretty insane. Honestly, like they they have elite elite skill position players. So I definitely think that Baylor wins this game. I think they uh, I think that they easily cover four. Um, you know right. I I think that it's probably going to be somewhere in the seven to ten range. Like I don't think that they're going to run away with it. But uh, but look, I mean I think that if Baylor comes out and and plays. You know, if it looks like a Power 5 versus a Group of 5 matchup, which, you know, games against Houston rarely do, uh, I I think that that portends really good things for where Baylor's at. Yep, I agree. Awesome. Well, we can go ahead and move on. Uh, I'll be at that game this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Man, it's going to be a fun one. But moving on, uh, UTSA versus SFA, 2 p.m. on ESPN3. UTSA is a 14.5-point favorite over Stephen F. Austin. Um, look, here's what this comes down to for me, is that, <laughs> is that UTEP beat them by 10, and UTSA is more than five points better than UTEP. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, where, because part of me wants to, yes, yes, that logic, that logic makes sense, obviously, but I don't want to sell SFA's talent short like if, if these are just guys going out and playing definitely right like I, I don't think i don't think it would be an indictment of utsa if they win if they win by like 13 or 14 this is still like i want i want to this is what i want to see i want to see how much of last week was utsa coming out against a rival playing free playing open playing with swagger and them coming down and playing a game where they are clear favorites Right. I want to see, can they, is that, was last week a little bit of adrenaline or was that legitimately like Jeff Trailer has something really, really going here uh, in terms of like discipline and in terms of focus and game planning? Yeah. And, and one, one note that I'll mention, you know, so Jeff Trailer went to Stephen F. Austin, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that he said in an interview earlier this week that uh, when you're from East Texas and you want to be a football coach, you go to Stephen F. Austin, which is absolutely the truth. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so this is going to be a really fun coaching matchup. You know, Colby Carthel is the other coach over there. He won a title in uh, in Division Two at Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, he's recruited at an insane level for FCS over the past two seasons. So right. this, this won't be a crazy talent mismatch. It'll be a talent mismatch, but not a crazy one. Um, right. 
and and the other thing I'll say, yeah, to- like 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 we, we said we said UT, we said UTEP and SFA were going to be similar in talent level. Right. This right. is not going to be that. UTSA clearly has more talent, right. but this isn't some middling, you know, uh, FCS talent roster. Right, right, right. And so the thing that I want to see, and we talked about it a little with Javi. You know, I asked about it. Is I do want to see Frank Harris have to throw a little more, right? Like I think sure, that sure. I think that we know that that SFA's I'm sorry, UTSA's offensive line should be able to cause some issues even for a pretty talented SFA defensive line, but mm-hmm. um but you know, I want to see Frank Harris throw the ball 20 yards. You know, I want to see, mm-hmm. you know, the ball fly through the air. And and not because they need to, right? They should be able to beat right, him without right. doing that. But I want to see them try it. I want to see whether Frank Harris can do it. I want to see you know, I want to see the coaching staff gain some trust in Frank Harris. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, like it is worth noting, right, that that he hasn't played a full football season since what since high school, right? Since right junior year, I think. Yeah. So I mean, we're talking a while since he's had an opportunity to to stand there and work on his passing uh, from the pocket. So I would like to see that. Not again, not because I think that that's going to be a center point of their offense heading forward. But just because right. I think it would be something that would be nice to see just to prove that he can kind of do that and, and provide that threat to defenses. Well, consider this. Uh, you, you have you have SFA, right? And you expect to be in control of that game. But, like, if you, you mention it, you, it's not that you want him to be – they're not going to be down and looking to be throwing their selves back into this game. But you look at the schedule after SFA. Right. right? We'll, we'll see what happens with the Memphis game. Um, with their Obviously, they're dealing with uh, cases right now. We'll see if that gets played. But you have that – scheduled right now after that you have uab after that you have byu right you have teams that you were going to be underdogs against and theoretically you don't want to come out throwing you know having to throw in a game and not be prepared for it and so you want to be able to maybe take advantage of this talent mismatch that you have and get the wide receivers going see what frank harris has and then that way when it does arise and you are maybe trailing 10 nothing or trailing 10 three or something later on Okay, now we know what we have in Frank Harris as a vertical threat. Definitely, definitely. <clears throat> well, I I think that SFA or sorry that UCSA is going to cover. Uh, I think that it's mm-hmm. again it's going to be pretty close, like you said. I mean, UCSA is also not a team that is going to necessarily feel like blowing you out because they're you know going to be so run heavy. But mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that this ends up being about a three score game. Sure. Yeah. No, I I could see that. Yeah. Moving on, 5 p.m., uh, SMU at UNT, uh, 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Uh, SMU obviously had trouble with Texas State in week one, uh, but they still are 14-point favorites heading into this one. And that that line's interesting, honestly. Um, look, we've seen basically every version of this SMU versus North Texas game the last five years or so. <laughs> and, uh, and, and obviously SMU... Even though they look a little shaky in week one, uh, you know, they still are a team that we expect to go out and compete for eight or nine or ten wins this year uh, with, with mm-hmm. star quarterback Shane Bouchel. So what do you kind of think about that line after what you've seen so far from both these teams? That's a good point. I At first I saw the line and I was not that shocked. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how much is weighed heavily on that, on that Texas State performance from SM, SMU, but... That's a good point that these these matchups have just gone SMU's way, right? Except for 2017, or 2016, I should say, or 2018. 2018, 2018 yes. um, Aside from 2018, where North Texas was just the better team and better coach team, um, I think it's fine. I'm okay. I'm actually okay with that line. I think when you're unsure about what SMU really is, if, it, if you're unsure to blame it on first, season, first game rust or whatever, and... 
UNT did show some explosive offense, whether, you know, granted against an inferior opponent, but regardless, you have what you have to go off of. Um, I'm okay with that line. I'm actually okay with that line. I think SMU covers, but I'm, I think 14 is around okay. Yeah, and it's worth noting that last year, you know, when they did have Mason Fine on their roster, it was a 22-point game. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, this game, I mean, I'm looking back. Uh, 2016, they did cover. It was a 13-point uh, SMU win. But, I mean, you know, it, it's been pretty rare for North Texas to cover against SMU, and this sure, is a, sure. a particularly good SMU team. So the one thing that I'll say is that, man, North Texas's skill talent looks really good right now. And I do mm-hmm. think that... Um, you know, we saw what uh, what Texas State was kind of able to do for stretches against SMU's defensive backs. E- even though SMU's defensive backs are relatively experienced, you know, it's still, I think it's just a rhythm thing more than anything. Um, you know, so I do think that North Texas is going to be able to score. So I do think that this game will end up being pretty highly scoring. But, but yeah, I think that you're right. I think that it's kind of like that UTSA-SFA game. I think it ends up being about 21 points when it's all said and done. Right. So moving on again, uh, we got two more games left. Oh, this this one uh, this one should be uh, an interesting one. Texas State versus ULM, six thirty p.m. on ESPNU. This was a little surprising to me. Texas State is a five and a half point favorite heading into this one. Did you think that was too small or too big? What, what did you what did you think? I I think just for me um, now, it has to be said. We expect Brady McBride to be uh, back this week. He's back at practice. So right. uh, that There's is no official word, but he is back at practice. Yes, yes. Um, it, I, I didn't expect them to be favored by this much. Um, I don't think it's, like, ridiculous, but... Sure, sure. I mean, you know, at the same time, I, I think that I'm looking at sort of the totality of what I've seen from Texas State over the three years I've been in this job, right? And so, right. Um, you know, last year, uh, obviously this game comes down to the wire. I mean, it was a crazy crazy game and ulm loses some key stuff right so so this is a team that that is definitely in rebuilding mode but it is it is interesting to me to see you know really tech state at 0-2 right now kind of almost in any situation uh being favored by five and a half points right now um you know i i think that it's fair for them to be favored i probably would have had it more like three that's fair um i think yeah especially when you consider that I mean, I posted this on Twitter the other day where it's like ULM is the program that, you know, we talked about last week about, you know, if Tech State is going to be UTSA, this is the year. And, you know, things like kind of using them as like equal footing uh, for like barometers for each other. Right. At, uh, ULM is that program in the Sun Belt, except the thing is you t- there's no reason when you look at both jobs and both positions that Texas State shouldn't be better than ULM. Um, when you just consider recruiting, when you just consider recent history, um, when you just consider where the programs were when they were, when when ULM was winning in the past couple of years, they were both relatively at the same point in their development as far as uh, ULM under Matt Viator and Tech State under Withers and then uh, Fran before him and Spavadol last year. Um, and yeah, ULM was winning. And it was always that frustrating team where it was like, why aren't you better than ULM? Right, right. And and I feel like every year, like the past three years, I've been saying, when are you going to beat ULM? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Because ULM isn't a – they're not a powerhouse. Like the, I think two years ago they were fine. Like they were they had a good offense and just kind of a whatever defense, and that was their best year. 
And Texas State wasn't able to match that in any way the past five years. I think Franz last year, they pulled out a win and still, I think, the worst game I've ever seen. But, like, <laughs> this program and this rivalry, I guess, is it's a dubious rivalry, but it is one nonetheless, um, I, in my opinion. It's yeah. been something that, I don't know, like, it's been frustrating that Texas State hasn't been able to win. And I, 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 I agree that... I agree that uh, the uh, the the spread is a little bit too big, especially when you consider the history. Yeah, and here's the other thing that I'll say. Uh, yeah. Do you know the date of Texas State's last win against an FBS program by six points? Uh, um, was it? Is it against Coastal? Uh, it, it was not. It was not. Oh God! Uh, last win against FBS program. I thought that was just. Wasn't that just last year? No, they they lost to Coastal last year, and uh, and oh, their gosh. only FBS wins were by two and That's three right. points. That's right. Yeah, jeez. Yep. Uh, was it ULM in 2015? No, no, no. Okay, they have one since then. The last one was okay. November 3rd, 2018 against Georgia State. So Georgia State. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. So okay. it's it's a uh, it's not great. It's not great, okay. right? And yeah. um, you know, so so that's why to me, right? Like when you're asking when you're asking Texas State to win by six points, that's something that they haven't done, right? Right. Prove it. Prove it to me. <laughs> right. Now that said, I'm actually going to take Texas State in this game plus the points. Uh, I, okay. I do think that this is obviously dependent on Brady McBride being back in the lineup, and and I will say, right, like. Like, Tyler Vitt was perfectly fine. He is far from the reason that they lost that game on Saturday. Um, But, you know, the thing that I think that Brady McBride adds is his sort of ability to extend plays. I think that that dramatically changed things uh, versus SMU versus, uh, you know, playing against UTSA when there were more sacks taken, obviously. And so I do think that Texas State should be the better uh, team in this game. I think that they should come out. I think that... I want them to have the performance this week against ULM that they should have had against UTSA, and and I think that that's right. feasible. Hundred percent. I'm curious what what are your thoughts on uh, Texas State's uh, law of regressing ESPN exposure? Because we, <laughs> we had we had we had we had ESPN against SMU last week was ESPN two. This week's ESPNU, and I'm just waiting for like the ESPN news to drop for next year for well, next for next week. Well, actually, uh, it's already been announced. It's ESPN three for for. Boston oh, College. it is going <laughs> it is going down. Look at so, that. It's, so it's, then Texas State uh, against Troy. I assume the next week will be ESPN plus, and then I don't know what's uh, what's after that. I don't know. I, don't know uh, I have no idea. Here. They just oh, kick well, on the local TV. When, when do we get to the Ocho? I don't know, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I I do think um, again, look, I understand, and, and we all understand, obviously, how disappointing last week was in so many ways for Texas State. Um, but I I do attribute that at at least some extent to having to game plan with a brand new quarterback one day before right. the game. So um, now now again, if if Texas State goes and loses this game to ULM, like I mean. We're out on them, right? Like they're. I was about to say this is this is panic mode. Right, 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 and and that's the thing, right? Is that they don't play a whole lot of teams that are worse than ULM because right. you know they go to Boston College, to Troy, to South Alabama, who looks good as hell right now, to BYU, to BYU <laughs> versus Louisiana versus App State, at Georgia Southern versus Arkansas State, and like maybe you pull out something against Coastal. So like, right. 
Whew. Okay, we honestly. We gotta start looking for wins if we're gonna, like, if oh we're boy. really gonna be optimistic about this team. We gotta start. They have to win. Like, I don't know. Like, we can always, t- we can talk about moral victories and, oh, they looked good. The, oh, the second half was really promising. It's like, you gotta win, man. Yeah, you gotta win. And I mean, like, there's a couple where you could see a win, but, oh, man, that's. That middle stretch where you go South Alabama, BYU, Louisiana, App State, that is a disaster. That is a total disaster. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, like, like Troy is not what Troy used to be. But, like, you know, going to Boston College and then to Troy, that's pretty terrible, too. Rough. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, if, they, if they're not better than ULM, if they can't, if they can't be kind of convincing, I don't know when they're going to win a game. Like, it's yep. – it's, whew. Man, I feel bad. I feel bad, but uh, th- that's why they really need to win this football game, so they better come out motivated. So, yep. uh, Okay, closing it out, uh, the beloved UTEP Miners going against Abilene Christian, 8 p.m. on ESPN3. UTEP, uh, it's kind of a, sa- a similar deal to what I'll say to, to Texas State. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I do think that... So, first of all, it's it's worth mentioning, Abilene Christian is a notably better team than SFA. They're not sure. as talented in terms of, like, high school recruiting talent, um, mm-hmm. but they're much further along as a program. You know, they're a team that was very competitive in the Southland last year. Um, you know, so so this, I think, will be a better test for UTEP. But um, yeah. I do think are you that— more or le- Are you more or less worried? More about uh, about them losing about UTEP, yes. <laughs> I I mean I think that again I think that AC is more of a challenge than than SFA was. Mm. Um, but you know the the flip side is that I think that we've seen through the first two weeks of the year. Like I mean you know obviously it's modest, but I do think that we've seen some promising signs from them um, mm. from from UTEP. You know I do think. Yeah. You know, Deion Hankin should be able to run wild in this game, and Jacob Cowling mm-hmm. should be able to play well. And and I do think it'll be a good test for Gavin Hardison at quarterback to see, uh, you know, if he can kind of confirm. You know, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. You know, throw for three hundred or anything like that. But you know, sure. Even against Tex, like he was, he was bad, but he wasn't like horrific, right? Like so. Uh, yeah, it was like it was like what do you expect him to do? Really? Right. You know. Right. 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 So I mean, I think that I'm pretty encouraged by, by what I've seen from UTEP the first two weeks. No, no, again, I mean. This is still us having to have this conversation about an FBS versus SCS match. So right, I don't want right. to like, I, I like, you know, <laughs> go, go over here and hide that. Right, right, right. Um, and also, uh, <laughs> UTEP has not won two games in a season since the year 2016. So, Oy. yeah, they, they have the benefit of playing two FCS teams this year. So, you know, that's the hope that they can get here this way. But... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that UTEP's going to be able to take care of business. I'd, I'd be interested to see how they play on defense as well. You know, Abilene Christian under Adam Doral is an offense that's, you know, can put up points, can get rushing yards. Uh, you know, so so I'll be curious. But the other thing, too, is that if I'm not mistaken, I think this is Abilene Christian's first game. Yes, it is. So that's going to be another complication, I think. Just, uh, you know, get, trying to get into rhythm for Abilene Christian, whereas even if, if the second game was, you know, not not the most fun. Uh, you know, UTEP yeah. has played multiple games at this point. So I do think that UTEP's going to be able to win this by, you know, a touchdown. But, um, right. you know, I, I think that I'd like to see even more than that, too. Do we know, because I know one of the things, one of the reasons why we were, like, 
I don't, we were more optimistic, I'd say, about SFA. Was all, they were also returning just a bunch, and even though they were young, they just it was just the benefit of familiarity. Um, I know ACU is not in the same, obviously not in the same category as that. I know they're replacing uh, their, their leading rusher, and I don't know who they're rolling out at quarterback. I think it might be Samaj Davis, but they also yeah. I'm seeing they also brought in a transfer from Iowa, so I don't know if he's gotten any yeah. look. So it, they're also breaking in someone, so it's not like. You know, we the point I made against uh, SFA was like, you know, you could run down the roster and be like, well, they have the best quarterback on the field and they have the best <laughs> right, X on right, the field. Right. And it's like, that's not the case with this. Yeah. Even they're a little bit better. ACU is a little bit better as a program right now, but I think they're not bringing back as much. Yeah. Uh, so I do believe that. So they, they do bring back Billy McCrary, who was a star for them two years ago, who got hurt last year. So mm-hmm. that'll be, okay. that'll be a legit sort of guy who can come in and, and be one of the best players on the field. Cause he was two years ago, one of the best players on the field. But like you said, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're bringing in a new quarterback. I'm trying to think, I, I think that they're bringing in sort of some top new receivers. So it's definitely no guarantee, right? Like th- this isn't, sure, sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I would feel a little better if they were, you know, running back Luke Anthony, but they're not. And so I, I think that Samaj Davis is a guy who I'm pretty optimistic about, but it's still, you know, that's his first start and it's going to be against an F- FBS opponent. So right. I, I do think that UTEP has a good opportunity to, to cause some issues to, you know, go out and win the game. And, and yeah, I mean, I do think that this would be another good opportunity for them to show. Cause like, Look again in that first game against SFA, they went down fourteen to three, and from that point on, they did sort of dominate that game, right? They they dominated. Right. You, yeah, what you're what you're hoping is that was the jolt they needed. Okay, right. that was scary. Now let's move on, right? And right. you're hoping that they don't they don't have that against ACU because they already had that against SFA. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna pick UTEP to cover. I think it's gonna be pretty easy. But again, it is it is uh, like with Texas State. It, it is kind of funny to see a line where it's like, all right, you got to pick them to win by a touchdown when they've right. <laughs> you know, done that so rarely. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they I think they win by ten. I think they win by double digits. I think this is. Uh, it might get shaky at one point, but I think that UTEP is a little bit more comfortable with what they're doing. And I, I mean, honestly, this is probably the last chance they have to win um, this year, or at least a good chance to win. They got a, they got ULM, so who knows about that? But I think this is a good chance for them to to really get off a mark and, and get something good going. So I'm going to say they cover and then uh, they win by double digits. So, and and here's where things get interesting and, and complicated, right? So mm-hmm. if UTEP were to finish two and ten right if they were to win these two games but you know win both of them pretty decisively as opposed to last year where they win one game by two points against a below 500 houston baptist like i mean i i guess probably the answer is that you feel like they're at least not regressing but like what do you kind of feel about that team if it is two wins but both are decisive but against fcs opponents I, I I don't feel great. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I still I don't know if it's like you said they're not regressing, but are they improving? Yeah, because I think it's more. Again, I I had to talk myself into UTEP because I did not think you ACU brought enough back. Right, <laughs> like, right. And so when you look at the record, yeah, sure, it might at the end of the year it might show two wins, which you know by the the the, the <laughs> right, most right. obvious of metrics that is an improvement. Right. But I don't know if you can look at the trajectory, especially if you consider them just going winless from here on out. I don't know if you can look at the trajectory and say we're starting. He- 
you know, at this low point and we're here at this high point. I think you just have to draw a horizontal line and say we're here because I would not feel confident if they win this game and then just go over the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, I look, looking at their schedule, it's tough to find more wins, like you said. I mean, you know, we'll see exactly how good ULM is uh, this week. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm not super optimistic about them for sure just because of how much sure. they lose. Um, right. Louisiana Tech's a loss. Southern Miss is a loss. Uh, at Charlotte's going to be pretty tough. North Texas is a loss. FIU, you know, maybe have a shot there. At UTSA, I mean, right now that looks like a loss. Um, UAB, obviously that's a loss. And then I, we'll see whether Rice I'm, plays football. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So, I mean, <laughs> I do think that there are – there's at least maybe two opportunities left to get wins. Um, right. You know, in FBS especially. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think that I think that the team that I saw play against SFA looked two percent better than last year, right? Not not sure. enough better. I but, mean, you saw you saw no, like you saw inklings of like explosiveness. You saw right. like playmakers. You saw like last year was just kind of like them like holding on for dear life against him. <laughs> right. It was like right. maybe something will manifest, but you know SFA was like okay. You have a playmaker in Deion Hankins. You have a playmaker in Jacob Cowing, and you have a a quarterback who can move the ball down the field now, who's comfortable and he knows he's the guy on offense. And you know you have an improved you have improved units of the uh, on both sides of the ball where you're just like okay, there's something there. And now you're just now I guess you're just waiting to see like to confirm like. Okay, now is is this staff the ones to get the best out of these guys? Yeah, and and actually the thing that I'll say is like I think that right now that that you know, I think UTEP's quarterback situation is okay, right? Like I think it's okay. It's okay. Like it's it's been it's and, been worse right. and you probably want it to get better, but for right, right. now where they are, it I, is fine. I think it's okay. I think their running back position is a plus. I think that they have good right. running backs right now. And at receiver, I mean, they've got four guys right now. They have good receivers. Yeah. Right. They have four guys who I feel like are good players, right? Like, Jacob Cowing's kind of the, the big name, but Justin Garrett's been really good the, these first mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So, um, and Walter Don and Devon Creeper are kind of those other guys who I'd mentioned. And so, that's not something that I said last year, right? Like, I said, mm-hmm. Q Wadley is a good player, and when he went out, I was I said, oh, no. That's what I said. Right. And, and um, you know, so... So they're starting to have some pieces, which again, like, I do want to be clear that this is the bare minimum of what, you know, we could be saying about an FBS program that's heading into year three under coach, right? Like this is, this is very little, but Uh, to be, to be, to be clear, my opinion right now of the, of the job that's happening there is it's behind schedule and it's not good enough. Right. Right, But we're seeing we're all where, from where this program was, it is a step up from where it has been. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, has been under Dimmel, not like has been in the past, because they've been better right. in the past. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, all, all you got to do is luck into Aaron Jones, and things happen. And right, things, yeah. Exactly. Things happen. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, that'll pretty much do it for us. Again, uh, Ish, I don't know if you want to make a, a prediction for West Texas A&M versus Oklahoma Panhandle State, but... Uh, uh, where's Oklahoma Panhandle State? Uh... I is it can, in the panhandle <laughs> i would assume i mean I, th- I feel like that's a safe guess i don't even it's in goodwell oklahoma that's not a real city <laughs> i don't disagree you with you I, I don't disagree yeah i mean look these uh so i think that this is the first uh i think that this is the first um fully sub fcs game of the season uh for whatever reason west texas a&m and angelo state were just like 
we just cannot live without playing nobody's <laughs> this year. And we so, gotta go to Canyon, Texas and uh, get this game played. Right, right. So, um, if you're curious, Goodwill is like right in the middle of the Oklahoma panhandle. Um, not not sure. super far okay. from the uh, not super far from the Texas border. So, you know, cool. Okay. <laughs> i still don't think that's a real city but fine that's yeah fine. i mean i mean you're probably not wrong you're probably not wrong <laughs> so anyway uh thanks so much to everybody for joining us uh as always you can become a subscriber textfootball.com slash subscribe you can follow us on facebook dave campbell sex football you can follow us on twitter at dctf uh if you go to textfootball.com right now i actually have a feature up on a mary harden baylor player who transferred down from texas a&m for sort of a last chance of of trying to make the nfl so i i think that it turned out pretty good so uh, go ahead and check that out at textfootball.com but for ishmael johnson i'm shahan J. raja have fun this weekend and we'll talk to you guys again on sunday <laughs>